This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. We are back. <laughs> it was a, uh, it's been a long uh, week or so, but we are back from uh, North Carolina as we uh, uh, get back on the horse here for a little while up in Connecticut before our move down to North Carolina. But uh, welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call. It is the 11th day of October 2021. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown and uh what a great sports day yesterday if you are a New England fan. The Patriots played like crap, let's be honest. I mean, they took advantage of some opportunities that Houston gave them late in that game, but they were fortunate and came away uh, with a victory over uh, what might be the worst team in the NFL. And they had to struggle like hell to do it. But a win is a win. You take it and you run. A team with a rookie quarterback now 2-3, and three, but they've got the Dallas Cowboys coming in next week. We'll get to the Patriots news uh, in just a little bit. Uh, but of course, what everybody is talking about, if you follow baseball at all, is the game between the Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday, five hours and 14 minutes. And the Red Sox come away with a six to four victory in 13 innings. Christian Vasquez with a two run home run to walk it off for the Red Sox. Um, so many things to talk about in this game. Of course, let's start with what happened late in the game because there was, you know, of course, everybody on Twitter is an expert, but all you got to do, folks, is read the baseball rules. Now, most of you are saying, well, look, nerd, we don't have time to read the baseball rules. Fair enough. But I was a guy that was an official scorer for, uh, you know, almost 20 years between the major leagues and the minor leagues. And so I know the rule book pretty good. Uh, and it was very clear that the umpires got it right on a ball hit by Kevin Kiermeyer in the 13th inning. It was a bullet. Let's be honest. And if the ball doesn't bounce the way it does, the Rays may very well have won that game. Kiermeyer crushed it to right field. It hit off of the wall, came back off the wall, went off of the hip of Hunter Renfro and bounced into the dugout or into the bullpen, I should say. Well, by rule, that is a ground rule double. The umpires clarified it last night after the game. I knew it right away. And the bottom line is, is the rule and it's rule 5.06. It says if a fair ball is deflected by a fielder and goes out of play, the award is two bases from the time of the pitch, period. So it's a ground rule double. There's no, the umpires don't have any discretion to be able to say, well, Yandy Diaz would have scored anyway, so let's let him score. No, a ground rule double is a ground rule double. 
So, and you can bitch all you want. And the, 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 and the thing was, is the umpires went to the replay, but the only thing they were going to the replay for was to make sure that Hunter Renfro hadn't um, intentionally batted it out of play. And as you can see, he didn't. He pulled up because he was racing back on the ball and realized he was getting real close to the wall. So he pulled up. The ball hit the wall. It hits him and goes in. There was no intent. So they got it right. And if you're Kevin Kiermeyer, you're like, you know, it sucks. No question it sucks. You know, he he his team at least at minimum should have had the lead there. You know, maybe Vasquez, they don't have the heroics in the, in the bottom of the 13th, but we don't know that. But even still, you've still got runners on second and third. But then Nick Pavetta, who was unbelievable yesterday in relief, strikes out Mike Zanino and gets out of it and then setting up the the play in the bottom of the 13th inning. But the bottom line here is that the umpires got it right, period. You know, uh, and uh, for Tampa, it sucks. But, the, you know, there was another instance back in 2019 when a ball deflected off of a player into the stands, and Kevin Cash had come out to argue that it should have been a ground rule double, and the umpires got it right, and it was. And he didn't, you know, he didn't go crazy yesterday. He knew, you know. So, you know, the experts on Twitter don't know, and, and they, they uh, went a little nuts, but it is what it is. And, you know, and the worst part about it was Matt Vaskersian, who's doing the play-by-play on the MLB network, sounded like an idiot. Well, of course, he sounds like an idiot a lot. But he's like, well, I think Major League Baseball is going to have to rewrite that rule. Or, you know, it, it, something, you know, that, that can't be right. There has to be discretion. John Smoltz, same thing. You know, and look, you know, and finally they got Ken Rosenthal on there who, you know, talked to them, you know, the umpire and got the explanation and the fact that they got it right. So then Vaskersians and, and Smoltz go, well, okay. I guess I got to shut up now. I mean, but, and that's the worst part is, you know, you got guys in there that don't know the rules and he, and you, you are calling the game on national television. You look like an idiot and Vaskersian can do that enough on his own. Although I will say this, I'll give Matt Vaskersian this other than the fact he's a little bit over the top. He's much better when he works a game with John Smoltz than when he works a game with Alex Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez, when he works games with him on ESPN, it's just brutal. I'm still not a Vaskersian fan, but he is. Uh, better with Smoltz for whatever reason. And maybe it's because Smoltz uh, is a different kind of personality than A-Rod. I don't know what it is, but he's much more palatable uh, with Smoltz than he is with A-Rod. But anyway, look, this was a great game. You know, and it, it is exactly what you want in the postseason. The Red Sox had a 4-2 to lead in this game. They were cruising. You know, now they had a couple of opportunities to put this game away, but they couldn't get the knockout punch. But, I mean, we saw nine pitchers for Tampa yesterday, seven pitchers for the Red Sox yesterday. Nate Evaldi, outside of the first inning when he gave up a, uh, a two-run home run, was otherworldly. Goes five innings, only gives up three hits, two runs. He struck out eight, he walked one. And the only dent was the Austin Meadows 97-mile-an-hour fastball that he turned around into the bullpen that gave the Rays a 2-0 lead. But, of course, Kyle Schwarber comes right back and hits a home run in the uh, bottom 
of the inning to get the Sox back in it, and then they start chipping away. Rasmussen got the start, lasted two innings. Gave up three runs on six hits, and then Kevin Cash. Look, you got to give this Rays bullpen a lot of credit. I mean, and Cash, you can tell how important that game was. He knew it. He went to Kittredge and Fairbanks, two of his guys that he uses for the end of the game. He went to them in the fourth inning. Kittredge with an inning and a third scoreless. Fairbanks ended up giving up a uh, a home run to Kike Hernandez, who is just, We'll get to him in a minute. He's uh, unconscious. Uh, I think actually Vaskersian used that, and uh, that's that's about right. I mean, uh, uh, but other than that, this bullpen, you know, and they bring in Luis Patino, who was looked like was going to be the game four starter, but the game went so long, and they had to go to the bullpen so early, they had to bring Patino in in the twelfth uh, inning, and he ends up giving up the bomb. He walked Hunter Renfro in the thirteenth, and then Vasquez followed it up with with the home run. But, you know, 16 pitchers. Good Lord. I mean, welcome to 2021 baseball. Nate Evaldi, by the way, became the first pitcher for the Red Sox to make it out of the third inning in this series. And I, and I have to be honest, I was not happy when Alex Cora took him out. I think he had thrown, what, 80, 82, no, 85 pitches. And he was cooking. And to me, you send him back out for the sixth inning. I didn't understand it. I, I was against it. Now, Josh Taylor came in, gave up a hit, but he pitched two-thirds of inning. Ryan Brazier came in, did a good job. Uh, Davis came in, walked the guy, but did a good job. And so I, I can't bitch. You get into the eighth inning, it's still 4-2, even though he's taken Evaldi out. I still would have waited. I would have given him another inning, but it's 2021. And Alex Cora in the playoffs has a history of the quick hook. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I didn't get it, you know, and maybe he felt when they got that, you know, the extra run, thanks to the Kike Hernandez Homer is a two run cushion. Maybe he felt more comfortable doing it. I don't know, but he got away with it until the eighth inning and he brings in Hansel Robles. And this is where I am going to again, question the decision by Alex Cora, and I. this isn't second-guessing. I said it as he was bringing him in the game. The eighth inning, they go to Hansel Robles. Now, you've got Garrett Whitlock in the bullpen. You've got Adam Adovino in the bullpen. And to me, and I know they've gone to Robles, who has, uh, you know, he has kind of been a high-leverage guy late in the season for the Red Sox and has, you know, pitched okay. You know, was he great? No, he was okay. You know, I know he throws hard, but Jesus, everybody throws hard. But his last seven appearances for the Red Sox, he was really good in the regular season. Six and a third innings, you know, uh, didn't give up a run, an earned run. You know, now he, he still walks too many guys for me, but, you know, be that as it may, you know, that's what the Red Sox decided to do. Um. And then we come to find out that Robles wasn't right. Now, I don't know whether he hid this from Alex Cora and the, and the staff. But, you know, he comes in and gets in trouble. He gives up three hits, including a, a, a bomb of a home run to Wander Franco, who just, he's the Red Sox daddy. I mean, this kid is going to be the rookie of the year, and he makes the Red, he's got to make the Red Sox twitch. He's just unreal. And But then Robles leaves the game after two-thirds of an inning, proceeds to go into the Red Sox dugout, 
or into the clubhouse and throws up. He had some kind of a stomach bug going on. So, you know, now my guess is, is he must have hid that. Because if you're Alex Cora, why the hell are you going to a guy that doesn't feel right? But when you've got Garrett Whitlock out there, who, if by the way, if Wander Franco wasn't uh, and, and Randy Rosarena weren't doing what they were for Tampa, Garrett Whitlock would be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's been ridiculous. I would have gone to him in the eighth inning, and I would have gone to Adam Adovino in the ninth if I needed to. I mean, Whitlock, you know, again, an ERA of under two in the regular season. That's where I would have gone. Well, as it is, they go to Robles. He ends up giving up the tying runs. Whitlock comes in, pitches an inning and a third, shocking, of scoreless baseball. And then we have to go to Nick Pavetta, who came on and, uh, again, a Red Sox postseason hero. I don't want to overplay it. This isn't quite what Nate Evaldi did against the Dodgers in the World Series in 2018, but this was huge. Pavetta, you know, ends up throwing 70 pitches in four shutout innings. Struck out seven guys in four innings, walked just one, gave up three hits. You know, got a break, no question. You know, you can say whatever you want. He got a break with that ground rule double. But at the end of the day, he was unreal. And uh, he was fired up. You know, when, when he got a, that break on the ground rule double and came back to strike out Zanino, he was screaming as he walked off. He was fired up. And I guarantee you, if that game had gone to the 14th, Nick Pavetta was going back out. So uh, he gets the win. He deserved the win. This was just a fun, fun baseball game. Kyle Schwarber with a another homer. Guy who's been great for the Red Sox. Oh, my God. Now, the funny part with Schwarber yesterday, um, early in the game, look, this is a guy that is not a first baseman. They're trying to teach him to play first base, but that's not his natural position, and he's not comfortable there. There's no question about that. It's been it's been painfully evident. Um. And commits an error on a routine ball, you know, and at the end of the day, no damage done. But later in the game, when a ball is hit to him, he makes the play and uh, (laughs) gets all fired up. It was a routine play where he just went over, fielded it, and uh, uh, flipped it to the pitcher covering for the out. And, uh, Jesus, you would have thought that, uh, you know, he made some great diving play. No, it was just a routine play. But then the best part about it was is he tipped his cap to the crowd because he was all fired up and the crowd knew it. I mean, he was playing to the to the audience and uh, tipped his cap to the crowd after making a routine play. So good for him. You know, he's fun. He really is. I mean, I'd love to see him stay with the Red Sox long term. I don't, and, and I'll tell you what, I think – how hard the Red Sox go after him may depend on what J.D. Martinez does. J.D. has an opt-out clause in his contract where he can again leave uh, for that last year of the contract. I don't think he's going to get the money in free agency that he would get with the Red Sox. I don't think he'll opt out, but he had a press conference last week where he said that uh, he was kind of 50-50 with it. 
but he's 34 years old. And look, he had a great bounce back year this year, which I expected. You know, he was great for the Red Sox this year. Um, so, you know, I'd love to see him stay for the rest of, uh, you know, his contract. And I hope he does. But if he doesn't, if he opts out after the World Series, I would expect the Red Sox to go hard after uh, Kyle Schwarber. He is a great addition to that lineup. Now, the only downside of it is, is, you know, do you want another lefty where you've already got Alex Verdugo and you've already got Rafi Devers? Do you want another left-handed bat in that lineup? You know, I don't know. But... Look, he's hitting, uh, what, he's 5 for 11, J.D. is in the postseason, right? And he hit uh, 286 in the regular season, 28 homers, 99 runs batted in. I would love to see J.D. stay, but I also would not mind seeing Kyle Schwarber stay. And I don't think you keep both Schwarber and J.D. just be- unless you think you can really get him to play first base. But then you have to question, well, Bobby Dahlbeck, if, if what we saw in the last few months of the season, the last couple of months of the season from Bobby Dahlback is what you're going to get, you know, I have a hard time, you know, replacing him either. So I don't know where the Red Sox go, but all I know is yesterday was absolutely joyous. And the Red Sox can close out the Rays today. Look, and I saw some other people on social media. They're like, ah, you know, this Red Sox team, I just don't have the passion. And, you know, they're like uh, upset because I don't know what they're upset about. This is a Red Sox team that most people figured if they finished 500, they would be doing something. A lot of teams, you know, a lot of people thought they'd win 80, 81 games. You know, guys, they they won over 90 games. They're, They're a game away from the ALCS. How can you not have passion for this team? What the hell's the matter with you? You know, and people want to nitpick this team. They want to say, well, Alex Cora this and Alex Cora that. Well, you know what? Come on. You know, are there are there flaws in this team? Absolutely. But it's because of the flaws that this team is so endearing. They just continue to find ways. And the fact that they overcame what they went through late in the season with the COVID scare, when at one point they had 13 people on the COVID list and it looked like the world was falling apart and it kind of did, you know, where they just it imploded for a few weeks. But then they came back strong at the end. The fact that they overcame that, if you don't, if you're not on board with this team, there's something the matter with you. I'm sorry. There just is. You know, and uh, to get things happen yesterday like they did with that, uh, you know, Nick Pavetta's performance, Nate Evaldi's performance, Nate Evaldi in the postseason, folks, is ridiculous. You know, he just continues to show in postseason play how good this, how good he is. You know, he's got 32 playoff innings. And in those 32 innings, he has an ERA of 1.93. And he has struck out 32 and walked just four in the postseason. So, you know, say what you want. But Nate Valdi is a big game pitcher. So, uh, just a, a great performance yesterday. Kike Hernandez, uh, seven straight hits. In the postseason, ties a Major League Baseball record, sets a Red Sox club record. I mean, come on. He had a home run yesterday that if somebody was standing in front of it would have killed him. I mean, the ball that he hit off of Fairbanks was a missile. 
So now what happens today? You know, who knows? It's Marathon Day in Boston. Normally, of course, a marathon in April and the Red Sox are playing, you know, at 11 o'clock in the morning. But uh, because of the pandemic, they're having the uh, the 125th Boston Marathon today. Um, it looks like Erod is going to get the start, but this is going to be another Johnny Allstaff game. I mean, look, Erod did not get very deep into his first start in the playoffs. So you would think he can go a little bit farther here. Um, should be, you know, if they can get five innings out of him, it'd be great. You know, you've got Tanner Houck out there. You know, Tanner Houck looked really good the other day. He's had a, a day of rest. You know, you can get him maybe an inning or two out of him. You've still got Adavino out there who's on uh, solid rest. You have Matt Barnes who didn't pitch yesterday. I know Barnes has been an adventure, but this is still a guy that is a, a you know, the first half of the year was an all-star, literally an all-star. You know, I, I don't know how much you trust him. A lot will depend on the score, I would imagine. But if you can get Erod for five and you get Tanner Houck out there for a couple – you could probably bring Garrett Whitlock back for an inning. You've got Josh Taylor only pitched two thirds of the inning. Ryan Brazier's been great. You got Barnes. Look, if you just got to get five out of them, you know. And the the Rays, we don't know who's going to start. It was supposed to be Patino, but he ended up having to pitch yesterday. And uh, as I said, he went an inning and a third, and he threw. Uh, look, he threw. Uh, 15 pitches, so it's not that bad. They could bring him back, I suppose. I My guess is we probably will see Michael Waka. Waka pitched in relief in game two, had a day off, didn't pitch, throw a lot of pitches. I would not be surprised if Michael Waka is today's starter for the Rays, but it's to be determined because that's what the Rays do, uh, and they are great at bullpen games. So just a phenomenal game. It's, just, it, it, it's what postseason baseball is supposed to be. Uh, in the other series, the Chicago White Sox looked like they were deader than a canned ham yesterday. They were down two games to none in the series, and the Houston Astros jumped all over them early and had a 5-1 lead. Dylan Cease got the start, last in an inning and two-thirds. They bring Michael Kopech out of the bullpen. He lasts two and a third, gives up four hits and three runs. You know, and all of a sudden... You know, Houston is up in this game 5-1, and you're like, holy crap. But then Chicago came to life in the third inning. They came up with five in the third, three in the fourth to take a 9-6 lead. The bullpen does a great job for Chicago after that. They had three more runs in the ninth to make it a lopsided 12-6 final. But Ryan Tapera with two shutout innings. And, and, and actually, they weren't just shutout innings, folks. The Chicago White Sox bullpen pitched five no-hit innings. They did not allow a base runner. Tapera, Aaron Bummer, Craig Kimbrell, and Liam Hendricks, five innings out of the bullpen, no runs, no hits, no walks. They struck out nine in those five innings. And there you go. And now it's a 2-1 series. Game four is at Chicago. It's scheduled for today. There is rain in the forecast for Chicago, so whether or not they'll play, we'll have to see. Carlos Rodon is scheduled. Rodon was great this year, 13-5 and with a 2-3-7. But down the stretch, he had some issues with the shoulder and some fatigue. So he only ended up making 24 starts. But when he was healthy, 
He was great. Jose Urquidy, who was 8-3 and three with a 3.62 ERA in 20 starts this season, is scheduled to get the start for the Astros. Again, rain in the forecast. Don't know whether we'll play or not, um, but should be uh, a lot of fun as uh, the Chicago Bats finally came to life yesterday. It is 29 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake up call here on a Monday morning, the 11th day of October. Uh, lots of baseball today. All four series are scheduled uh, starting at one o'clock this afternoon. The Brewers and the Braves. That one is tied at one game apiece. Uh, it'll be uh, Freddie Peralta getting the start for the Milwaukee Brewers today. Uh, Peralta has not pitched in more than two weeks. It's been a while, and he will take on Ian Anderson for the Atlanta Braves. That series tied one apiece, as I said. Then coming up at 3.30, the Astros and White Sox schedule. We'll have to see whether the weather holds up. Uh, I don't expect that they will uh, bang this too quickly. There is a scheduled off day between games four and five. I would think, you know, depending, unless it's going to be a washout all day, I would expect them to try to wait this thing out. Uh, so that if the White Sox do manage to win the game, they don't have to give up that off day between games four and five so they can keep the schedule going as it is. Uh, the Red Sox game is scheduled at 7.07 start time tonight uh, on FS1. And then at 9.37 tonight, the Giants and the Dodgers, that one also tied at one game apiece. It'll be Max Scherzer getting the start for the Dodgers today, uh, and it'll be Alex Wood who will get the start for the San Francisco Giants. Those two teams battled all season long. Uh, the Giants end up winning the NL West. and uh, But that starting staff for the uh, Dodgers, even with the injury to Clayton Kershaw, is just unbelievable. Uh, you know, look, and, and, and I guess I shouldn't, I mean, I, I shouldn't, discount what the Giants with, you know, Gaussman and Wood and those guys, guys have done this year, but uh, you just look at the pedigree of the Dodgers and you still wonder how the hell the Giants ended up winning that, that series. But anyway, so four games today starting at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, TBS has the first game. The Red Sox are on FS1 and uh, the Giants-Dodgers game also on uh, TBS tonight at 9.37. All right, uh, the Patriots yesterday. You know, as I said in the open, you won the game. They come back to beat the Texans 25-22. This is a game that the Patriots uh, trailed all game. It did not look like they had a shot. But Houston being <laughs> the, the worst team in the NFL, arguably, uh, you know, they're 1-4, and, uh, you know, Mac Jones did what he needed to do. Nick Folk with a 21-yard field goal with 15 seconds left. He also had a 52-yarder early in the game. Uh, but that secondary for the Patriots is becoming a problem. Davis Mills, <laughs> who last week threw for like 86 yards and four interceptions, had 312 yards, a career high with three touchdowns against that Patriots secondary. That secondary is awful. And I don't know what the answer is. And this is a Patriots secondary who traded away Stephon Gilmore this week who had been holding out 
and uh, was on IR. He wouldn't have been able to play this week anyway. But Stefan Gilmore, who is uh, a great defender, they basically gave him away for a sixth-round draft pick. And he could have been activated for week six. And yet, here we go, uh, that secondary is bad. And it's not like the Patriots have any room in the cap where they can go out and try to make a trade or something because they just don't have any room. And so it is what it is. So it's going to put the pressure on Mac Jones to perform. There is no question about that. Now, the good news is Mac Jones did perform yesterday. Uh, 23 of 30, 231 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, and we had a tight end sign, uh, sighting for the Patriots. How about Hunter Henry? His first uh, Patriot touchdown, a 13-yard pass with nine and a half minutes to go. The Nick Folk extra point tied the game at 22. But Folk was great yesterday. Uh, he had two 52-yard field goals, a 32-yard field goal, and a 21-yard field goal. Now, he missed an extra point. <laughs> you know, but uh, he is 12 of 13 on field goals this year. I mean, he is as reliable as it comes. And it's something that the Patriots uh, have been blessed in their, their long career. You know, with guys like Venetary and uh, Gustowski, guys that just were money. And Nick Folk has been that, if he can stay healthy. So, you know, give Mac Jones a lot of credit yesterday. Showed some poise, didn't panic. Uh, the Texans gave him a, a bit of a break uh, in the third quarter. <laughs> a punt that went off uh, the back of one of the linemen. And ends up going out of bounds for zero yards. And the Patriots get it. They end up getting a field goal out of that. That cut the lead from 22-9 to uh, to 22-12. to And uh, there was another situation. Now, the Texans had gone forward on fourth down a couple of times and had made it. Late in the game, they've got an opportunity perhaps to uh, extend the lead and maybe make things more difficult on the Patriots. And uh, they panicked a little bit. They send their kicker out for a 56-yard field goal. Merry Christmas. It was missed. And the Patriots take advantage of it. And they get that, uh, that tying touchdown to Hunter Henry. And uh, they go on to win. Now, they've got the Dallas Cowboys coming in next week. Good luck. One of the things, in addition to the secondary, which has to concern you, considering you know how good Dak Prescott has been since coming back from that injury. The other thing that has to concern you if you're the Patriots is turnovers. Three more of them yesterday. Now, uh, you know, they've got to figure this out, and they're having problems. Uh, Damian Harris has fumbled the ball twice. I believe uh, Ramondre Stevens has a fumble loss this year. J.J. Taylor has lost one this year. Uh, they've got to tighten up the turnovers. It's the third straight game now that the Patriots have had multiple turnovers in a game. Now, you know, they can't. This team, as Ben Volan pointed out in the Boston Globe this morning, this team is not good enough to overcome penalties and turnovers on a regular basis. You know, uh, so that's a concern. Now, they only committed five penalties yesterday for two, just 27 yards, but the turnovers are a problem. Damian Harris with another fumble loss yesterday. And look, you know, Bill Belichick has a history of if running backs fumble the football, you bench them. The problem is he, he had no choice. 
Damian Harris is, you know, the best they've got. They've got injuries when James White went down, so they're a little bit thin. You know, and this running game was supposed to be a big strength of this team. Not so much. You know, Damian Harris was okay yesterday, but obviously has issues with hanging on to the football. But uh, and Keel Harry played yesterday. Uh, and again, we saw uh, Janu Smith and Hunter Henry, the tight ends combined for eight catches for 102 yards. Most of that by Hunter Henry, but at least we finally saw those tight end signings uh, make a difference. The other guy who made a difference for the Patriots, Matt Judon, had two more sacks on Sunday. He's got six and a half now on the season. Um, he has been, so far, so far, he has been the best free agent signing that the Patriots have. So, uh, look, you'll take the win all day long. But here's what we know. You're not catching the Buffalo Bills. So in order for the Patriots to get into the playoffs, they are going to have to be a wild card team. Uh, and right now, they're not good enough. You know, the AFC West is loaded. You know, um, the uh, AFC North, you know, that's going to be a dogfight. But Cincinnati and Cleveland, Cleveland and, and Baltimore are going to fight for the division title there, and the, the other one's going to get a wild card. So the Patriots' window is very small. I know Dan Zampano, our buddy, was high on the Patriots making the playoffs this year. I don't see it. Not at 2-3, and three, and I think they're going to be 2-4 and four after next week. You know, I don't think they're beating the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I, you know, I, I know the game is at home. But I don't see it. So I look at them. They're going to be two and four after that Dallas game. Now you got the Jets coming in. Thank God for that. You'll be three and four. But then after that, you have to go to play the Chargers, who are one of the best teams in football this year. The Carolina Panthers on the road. Then you get Cleveland at home. Holy crap! You look at this Patriots schedule, and over their next five games, I think the Patriots are going to be one and four. So that's going to put them at three and seven. That is not a playoff team. And then you go down the stretch. You still have to play. You have to play at Buffalo. Good luck. You still have to play Tennessee. You've got. They've got Buffalo twice in the month of December. This is not a playoff team. You know. You finish up with Miami and Jacksonville. You got a couple of wins there. But this is a Patriot team now. If they get seven wins, you'll be happy. That I think is I think that is the reality of what this Patriot team is now. You know, and you know, a lot of people will say, "Well, we didn't make a lot of strides over Cam Newton, did we?" Well, yeah, we did. Uh, I think we have seen that Mac Jones is uh, definitely the future. But and and maybe you know maybe if Nelson Aguilar gets going and. You know, the tight ends become more involved and this offensive line gets his act together and somehow they can figure out how to stop the other team. And that's the issue right now is the Patriots, you know, just getting absolutely chewed up in the secondary. Unless they can figure that out, this is a 7-10 and 10 team. I mean, that, that's they gave up 360 yards of offense to one of the worst teams in football yesterday. They got outgained by the Houston Texans and still somehow won this game. So it's a gift 
But now, if you're the Patriots, you have to figure out how in the next, you know, five games, you can go three and two. And I don't see it. I don't even see them getting close to that. I hope I'm wrong, but it doesn't look good. Uh, speaking of the Patriots, the former Patriot, Tom Brady. Just when you think you have seen everything there is possibly to see from Tom Brady. At 45 years of age, yesterday, for the first time in his career, he threw for more than 400 yards and had five touchdowns in a game. 22-year career, he had never done that before. I mean, honest to God, you know, I don't know what is in this guy's DNA, but Jesus, 411 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and they danced all over the Miami Dolphins, 45-17. Now, the Dolphins led this game 10-7. And uh, by halftime, it was 24-10 Tampa, and then they put up 21 points in the fourth quarter. Brady was 30 of 41 for 411 yards and five touchdowns. Did get sacked a couple of times, but uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, uh, touchdown rushing. Antonio Brown, 33 years old, a guy that has had his issues in the league. We know that. Seven catches, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Evans caught two touchdowns. Uh, Chris Godwin, seven catches for 70. I mean, just he, you look at the, it's amazing. Ten different players caught passes yesterday from Tom Brady. Ten. So, you know, anybody that thought that, uh, that you know, he, uh, he can't do it again, he can't do it, you know, they're 4-1, folks, with the exception of that early stinker to the New Orleans Saints. This Tampa team, who returned everybody back from that championship team from last year, is just as good. And now the uh, the Bucks will travel to Philadelphia for a Thursday night game. Uh, Philly is just two and three. Uh, they're better than the Dolphins, so it'll be a, a definitely be much more of a test. But I fully expect that the Bucks on the road beat the the Eagles on Thursday night. I mean, it's just going to be uh, it's it's just unreal. It, it really is. Brady is just. Uh, uh, whatever his secret sauce is, I think every man in America wants it because he gets better looking and he gets better at football. Uh, every, any guy in America would sign up for that right now. It's 46 minutes past the hour. we got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. Uh, the Green Bay Packers escaped yesterday uh, because of and despite their kicker, Mason Crosby. Look, Mason Crosby has had a uh, a great career. Uh, this is a guy that uh, uh, is doesn't miss a lot of kicks. Well, yesterday he missed three of them. I mean, this is uh, he missed a uh, three straight potential game winning field goals. Finally, hits a forty nine yarder in overtime to give the Packers the 25-22 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, uh, uh, he had a chance to uh, give them the lead with two minutes left, just over two minutes left. 
He missed another one with three, three seconds left in regulation. Both went wide. Then he misses one in overtime and somehow got an opportunity to do it again. You know, and I'll tell you what. Um, you have to give Matt LaFleur some credit here. They had a fourth and in inches in overtime before the Crosby field goal. Fourth and in inches. Now, this is a guy who has already missed three field goals. You've got a fourth and inches from the Cincinnati 32-yard line. You, If you're LaFleur, if it's me and my kicker has missed that many field goals and I'm looking and saying this is a 49-yarder, I'm probably going for it on fourth down. So you got to give LaFleur a lot of credit. He stayed with his guy. Uh, he said he had a talk with him, and he said uh, that, in his gut, he said that was the right thing to do, and it worked. And uh, the Packers win it 25-22. to 22. So Green Bay now 4-1. and one. Aaron Rodgers continues to roll. Um, he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, as great as he had been in some other games, but he was still pretty damn good. Threw for 344 yards, a couple of touchdowns. He did throw an interception, got sacked a couple of times. But uh, And uh, A.J. Dillon from New London High School here in Connecticut caught a touchdown pass from uh, Rodgers yesterday. At the end of the game, by the way, very strange, Joe Burrow ended up going to the hospital. Uh, they were checking on him for a possible throat contusion. Uh, and what was weird was is Burrow was in the game the entire time um, through a two-point conversion uh late in the fourth quarter, played in the overtime. But at the end of the game, I, you know, I don't know what happened, but I guess he was having trouble talking. So I don't know if he somehow had taken a shot to the throat or something. Uh, the Bengals were, you know, not very forthcoming, but uh, hopefully he's okay. I mean, Burrow's a guy, you know, and this is the problem. You know, when you're Cincinnati and you've got a guy with that kind of talent and you don't have an offensive line to protect him, you know, Joe Burrow, I, I worry about him. I, I worry about his life. You know, and I know it's a you'd have to be pretty old. You'd have to be old like me. But it kind of harkens back to a guy that played in the NFL back in the 70s. Uh, it's a name you might have heard of. The last name was Manning. Not Peyton, not Eli, but the father, Archie Manning. Archie Manning was a great quarterback, but he played for the New Orleans Saints. And back then, folks, the New Orleans Saints were a walking dumpster fire. They were just awful. And Archie Manning got crushed, you know. And if Archie Manning had played for a team that had more talent offensively, where, you know, an offensive line that could have kept him upright, he could have been uh, one of the great quarterbacks, I think, in the NFL. You know, and I'm not saying Joe Burrow's going to be, uh, you know, a Hall of Famer or will be a Hall of but this is a guy that's got a lot of talent. And, you know, had that injury last year. He's gotten banged up a couple of times already this year and now at the hospital with a throat contusion. I hope he's okay. I hope he's all right. Now the Packers will go play at Chicago next Sunday and the Bengals will get the pleasure of playing the Detroit Lions who are just... The Detroit Lions lose another heartbreaker yesterday. I mean, uh, the, the, the Detroit Lions who lost uh, the game on the, uh, what, the 64 or the 66-yard doink field goal against the Baltimore Ravens are now 0-5. They lose another crusher yesterday as the uh, the Minnesota Vikings 
end up beating them 19 to 17 on a 54-yard field goal on the final play of the game. The Lions led this game uh, 17 to 16 with 37 seconds left in regulation. Minnesota gets into field goal range. Greg Joseph drills it, and Detroit loses again. I mean, you know, as Dan Zampano said when they lost on that long field goal, is there more? Is there a more Detroit way to lose a game than that? And, you know, here we go again, another late-game heartbreaker. So uh, Cincinnati's hoping that they can keep that going uh, next week. The game of the day yesterday, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Los Angeles-slash-San Diego Chargers beat the Cleveland Browns 47 47- to 42 the chargers put up 26 points in the fourth quarter <laughs> unreal uh cleveland led this game 27 13 early in the third quarter and then justin herbert went to work justin herbert and austin eckler justin herbert yesterday uh 26 of 43 398 yards four touchdowns no interceptions Austin Eckler ran for 66 yards and two touchdowns. He also caught a touchdown pass. Uh, and if you're Cleveland, you got You're shaking your head. I mean, you know, you got to talk. If you're their defense, you got to look deep. Baker Mayfield yesterday threw for 305 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Only got sacked once. They ran for over 200 yards on the ground. Nick Chubb had 161 yards rushing. On 21 carries. Kareem Hunt ran for 61 more on 12 carries with a couple of touchdowns, and they lost. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, the Browns are the first team in NFL history to lose a regular season or playoff game when they scored 40 plus points and had 500 yards of offense and no turnovers. But that's exactly what happened. They ran all over the Chargers, 500 yards of offense, no turnovers, and you lost. Ouch. The Chargers are now 4-1. and one. They sit in first place in the AFC West. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs lose again yesterday. Patrick Mahomes uh, gets outgunned by Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, not very good yesterday. Uh, threw two touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions. Got sacked a couple of times. Josh Allen's... 315 yards, his completion percentage wasn't great, but three touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks, and he was their leading rusher, 11 carries for 59 yards, and they just drilled the Chiefs 38-20. to Kansas City had a 10-7 lead in this game, and then Buffalo scored damn near every time they touched it. Uh, unreal. Knox with... Three catches, 117 yards. You know, we talk about the Patriots secondary. Uh, Kansas City's got the same problem. They can't stop anybody. And, you know, uh, again, our buddy Dan Zampano thought that uh, the Bills were taking a step back. I don't see it. Four and one, just great. And uh, now the Bills will play at Tennessee next Monday night. That should be a heck of a game. Uh, and then the Chiefs get to play Washington on Sunday. And if you're the Chiefs, and you know Andy Reid at the end of the game said, we didn't see this coming. Well, that's a problem, Andy. Because, you know, 
you know, you can't continue to rely on Patrick Mahomes. At some point, your defense has got to be able to stop somebody. And now the Chiefs sit at 2-3 and three and in last place in the AFC West. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Lots of baseball today. Hopefully we'll be talking about a Red Sox series victory tomorrow, but we'll see. Uh, we're going to leave you this morning with some music from Darius Rucker and my masterpiece. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.